Our series, Behold, we sang a song just a little bit ago about uh, that very thing, Behold. And in Matthew 1.23, we see that word used to bring us to the attention of the fact that the Messiah is coming, Jesus Christ is coming. Matthew 1.23 starts out with this word, again, foundational to our series, the word, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which translated which means God with us it means God with us and and here in this text it's this reminder that oh my goodness hey uh, pay attention that, that's what behold means right 1500 times in the Bible the word behold appears and it's always going to be and the word in general means I pay attention I want to get your focus Look at what's happening, don't miss this. And, and of course, the, the arrival of the Messiah is absolutely get your attention, behold moment. And yet, as we come through this holiday season, we're just now uh, entering, uh, it is very, very easy to go through the entire holiday season and not have an encounter where we're just beholding the arrival of the Messiah. In America today, in the year 2023, Christmas can happen and you can almost just feel like you missed it. Behold, this thought about focusing on Jesus is even harder in our, in our world today. You know, culture is more and more, you know, telling us to, to shove it when it comes to our feelings about Jesus. And, and you can go back really uh, to a Supreme Court decision back in 1963 that said there, there can be nothing about beholding Jesus in the schools. And, and so we, we don't behold Jesus in the schools. That's what they're telling us. And more and more uh, law has come down that says don't behold him in the workplace either. And, and of course, you know, in, in about every environment, we're told that we're ridiculed and told stay away from anything related to Jesus, and we see the, the destruction that it's having on our culture, America, and families today. Though we know we stand in a right place to proclaim the name of Jesus, our culture says, no, we don't behold Jesus. And so it's hard for those of us even who call ourselves believers. We enter the holiday season, Christmas season. They say, well, it's not Christmas, it's Xmas. Let's call it Xmas. Instead of, oh, come all ye faithful, we've just made it to, oh, come all ye, let's party. Beholding Jesus. I, I want to read a scripture to you that I think maybe will help us get into focus, into beholding better. And it's from the New Testament, and Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, so all of us who have had, every one of us who've had that veil removed, that's, that's a believer in Christ, I'll explain this here in a second, but we can see, we can reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Another translation of this text says that as we draw and gaze and fo focus more and more on God, we go from glory to glory. It's this increasing growth in our walk with him. Well, this text is in reference to really something Old Testament. Let's go back Old Testament for just a moment here. And as we do that, we think of, of Moses. And, and Moses in the Old Testament, his story leading the, the Israelites out of Egypt, he's, he's Israel's leader, really. And, and in Exodus, 
we see the, where he has these encounters with God. He goes into this place, Moses does, called the Tent of Meeting, and in there he has these one-on-one, face-to-face encounters with God. But then he would come out of that tent, and the people of Israel would be there, and he would have such a glow on his face from encountering God that it freaked the other people out. And so they said, hey, 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 why don't you put on a veil? You know, because this is freaking us out. So from that time forward, when he would have those encounters, that he would have this veil on. Now then, this scripture that we just read says, hey, hey, check it out. If you're a believer in Christ, it, maybe you once had a veil. Right? From birth, we have a veil. From the time of birth, you and I have a veil over our face. We don't have connectivity with God. We don't have a relationship with him. God wants that. He desires that. He gave of his one and only son for that. And when you'd make that personal decision to say yes to Jesus Christ, not by your work, but by the work of the cross, that yes, I I take that into my life. I receive that, the forgiveness of my sin. The scriptures say now because you are forgiven by God, that veil comes off and you can Behold God face to face and know him more than ever before. That's what happens when we become believers. A veil comes off. And what Paul is saying to you and I is, hey, you have access to God in a very powerful way. That veil is gone. Focus on him. Let that focus on God grow you more and more in your life. And as that beholding, if you will, that beholding of God, seeing him, focused on him, giving him all of your attention, as you do that, you will start to encounter him in every corner of your life. You will set aside your fascination and desire for you all the time, worry about what others think of you, worried about things of this world, worried about what people are saying about you, think about you, you will focus fully on God, that unveiled encounter face-to-face with him, and your life begins to change, right? We go to the holiday season, the Christmas season, we're in this season, and, and though we have access to God, that veil has been removed for those of us who are Christians, we don't focus on him. What we do is we, we, we go shopping, and we put up decorations and we have gatherings and we're caught up in the hurry and the hustle. We don't behold him. We have access. God has done this for us. We have a unique, powerful thing. And yet we take, it seems, in a very rich and valuable season of the year, we take our eyes off of him and we become like those two guys who were after Jesus' resurrection who are walking on this road to Emmaus and Jesus is right in front of them and they do not recognize him. It's all the believers. It feels like the believers could do this even. It feels like we could be in such a position where our focus is not on God, it's over here and over here. We miss the season, we miss Jesus' moments, opportunities to encounter him over this Christmas season, past Christmas seasons. We become like the woman at the well, the unbelieving woman at the well, which I talked about just a few weeks ago, where she's having a one-on-one encounter with Jesus and she does not know who he is. And he says, like, if you knew who I was, you would want what I have to offer. And she's an unbelieving woman who doesn't understand to have her gaze and her eyes 
on who Jesus is. She's living like an unbeliever, but I think even the believers who have this unique access to God, we miss these moments. We live in a culture today where not just at Christmas, throughout, we, we're so focused, our gaze, our eyes are upon now ourselves. I put that in your notes. We live in a culture where we love to behold ourselves and we love to behold our idols and we miss the things of God. In fact, I would submit to you that uh, chasing after idols is really just chasing after things to, to, uh, for ourselves. You know, what I mean is, at the end of the day, the greatest challenge I face in my life, I don't know about you, so I'll just speak for me. The, the sins that I can commit in my life, the underlying problem that I have behind all of those sins is the desire to look inward, to take care of me, my pride, my wants, my desires. Those are the things that cause me, the, the focus on me causes me to make decisions that are not what God would want. It's the idolatry, uh, idolatry of self, ultimately. It's the constant pull inward. And, and for me, again, I, I don't know about you, but I know in those moments, I'm taking my attention off of the things of God. And what does that do for me when I look at life and I say, I'm only focused on the guy in the mirror. I'm only paying attention to him. Well, that leads to a very inconsistent way of living, an unhealthy way of living, a very unattainable and exhaustive way of living. But then there's an alternative in the holiday season, in the Christmas season, to say, you know what? I'm pushing past the noise, pushing past the things of myself. In some way, I'm going to figure out how I can focus more on God, get rid of that self. And when I am able to do that, gaze my eyes, focus on him, behold him, I encounter not just Christmas, but throughout the year, I encounter God radically different. Beholding ourselves, that leaves us joyless, in the long run joyless, empty, self-absorption. Beholding Jesus, a life of meaning, significance, fulfillment, God-absorption. This holiday season, this Christmas, who are you paying attention to more? Is it, is it the person in the mirror? Is that the person? Or is it, are your eyes on God? I put this in your notes. This Christmas season, I just put a few reminders for me, and I don't know if these will resonate for you. I hope they do. But when I think of what I want to maybe get in order over the, over the Christmas season and things I'm thinking about, these are some of those things. And I put this in your notes. The first one is this. I want to behold identity. When Jesus came, it was a fresh reminder, as I look now at the Christmas season, it is a reminder that this child came, he grew up, and, and he did something that caused my life and my identity and the transformation of my life to become very real. That person who I was for the first 26 years of my life is not the same person that I am today. That encounter, very powerful, it reminds me of like uh, the Bourne Identity and maybe you watch some of those movies, Jason Bourne series and what's this guy's problem? He, he's got some kind of amnesia, I don't know, but he can't, he spends all this exhausting time trying to figure out who he is. And I would submit to you that in our culture today, one of the great problems we have is we got a bunch of people wandering around trying to figure out who they are. Like, who am I? This constant struggle of identity and identity crisis. Any of us can get caught up in this. Who am I? What Am I valuable? Do I, 
What do I bring to the table of life in this world, in this culture? That, like, who am I valuable to, to humanity? And, and when we're caught up in ourselves, we don't know the answers to those questions, or certainly it can get murky, but when we focus all of our attention and behold the things of Jesus, if we will seek him in this Christmas season, and you ask him, Sincerely, in a quiet time, just say, God, to those of you who are believers, I want to hear your voice. Who am I? What do I mean? You're going to hear from God that you're valuable. You're going to hear that your life matters. You're going to hear that you are forgiven. You're going to hear that you are not your past. You're going to hear from God that you are not defined by the things the world tells you. You are not isolated to your family of origin. You are not squeezed into racial boundaries. You are not what your bank account says. You are so much more than that. Lift your head up high. You have a confidence for your life. These are the things that come when we focus on God. But we take our eyes off. It's on me a much messier place to be. The, the Bible says that in Colossians 2, 3, it's in my notes, it's, it's not in yours, but it says, in him, in Jesus Christ, are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything you want to know, the treasure for life, the wisdom for life, it is found in him, what you are, who you are, the design for your life, it is found in him. So, of course, we ought to want to behold him. 2 Corinthians 5, 6, 5 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old one is gone. The new one is there. And in Christ, when that veil was lifted and we encountered that relationship with God, God said, I'm putting a new thing in your life. I'm, putting a new, I'm helping you understand this thing I want for you going forward. Focus on me on this new journey in your life, I can't think of a better way for you to enhance your Christmas season than to dig in to that identity and who God sees you to be in your life. I put this in your notes, and maybe you don't take anything away from anything else I, I'm sharing with you today. Maybe you'll just take this. This is an absolute 100% guarantee reminder. I put this in your notes. You become what you behold. What has your attention the most, you, you become that. As believers, we want to become more like Jesus as we behold him more and more. I have a thing I talk about here at our church regularly. It's called, you know, think, do, become. And as you think, so you do. And as you do, so you become. And, and when you are gazing, when you are focused on the things of God regularly, what God does is he starts to reshape your mind. And you start to think differently. And then as you think differently, you start taking action steps based on that thinking. And as you think differently, you act differently, you become something very different in your life. Now, here's the reminder in the scriptures. The scriptures say that God wants to do a renewing of your mind. And so when you focus, when you give your attention to the things of God, there's a transformation of your mind that's starting to develop, which allows you to focus on the things of God that God wants to reveal to you. And it's not just yourself that can get yourself into a mess. It's when you're focused on yourself and then the enemy starts saying things, our spiritual adversary. You, you take your eyes off God, you start focusing on you and your adversary steps up 
and, and, and you start getting bound into these thoughts about, okay, well, what about uh, the mistakes I've made in the past and the bad decisions that I've made and all those things, you know, that, that I've made mistakes and you start to sink back into that old way of living and you forget what it says in Luke 4, 18, that Jesus Christ came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, to not be imprisoned by your past any longer, to be this new creation. Your past explains you. I put this in your notes, but it cannot identify you. God wants to show you a new perspective that gets outside of introspection that is focused on beholding God. I, I put this last little note in my notes. It's not in yours, but I was reminded of John the Baptist. And, you know, when Jesus was starting to do some really amazing things, they ran to John the Baptist, who had been pretty amazing, you know, already kind of guy. And they came to him and they said, hey, John the Baptist, uh, are you seeing what's going on with all those people flocking to Jesus? And John the Baptist, you know, he could have said, focus on me. me. No, he says, I've got to decrease so that Jesus can increase. What's John the Baptist doing in that moment? He's saying, it's not about my introspection. It's about focus on God. This season, would you take the selfie camera and take it away from you and turn it towards God and see what he has for you? Here's the next thing I put in your notes. Behold maturity. This is the thing I'm reminded of a lot at Christmas is that there was the baby in the manger, but he grew up. I, I'm always reminded of that, right? Easter's just a few months away, and certainly that's a reminder of that as well. But, but that little baby in the manger, he, he grew up. The Bible says he grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God, favor with man. That's physical, emotional, relational, spiritual, all at once. And that's kind of a part of, of all of our journeys that we should be on, is this, this focus on, on growing Growing in maturity, there's a great formula, which, which is basically getting the information from God and applying it into maturation it brings transformation to your life. And, and when you decide to not just hear the word, but put it into action, your life begins to change more and more. But that happens only when your gaze, when your focus is on God. That text that we just looked at at the very beginning about that veil, you know, said we go from glory to glory. That's a portrait of maturation, continuing to grow in my spiritual journey and my walk with him. But you have to choose this in your life, maturity. You, you've got to decide that you want this. I say all the time here at our church, like, I can't force you to decide to grow spiritually. I certainly believe that if you will make your focus all about God, you will have that desire and want to grow. I really believe that. But I can't force that. Like, I can't force you to say yes to Jesus. And just like I can't force you to say yes to Jesus, I can't force you to grow spiritually. I can put in front of you, hey, here's some Bible study. Here's, here's some groups you can be a part of. Here, here's some things you, you can do in your devotional life. Or he, here's uh, an accountability opportunity. Or here's a, a class you can go to to learn X, Y, and Z. I, I can put all these things in front of you, serving opportunities, but you have to choose them. Are you maturing in your faith? You know, people, people will 
sometimes as they're maybe not growing, they'll, they'll blame others. I, I've heard it, you know, uh, they'll blame their, something going on in their home or something going on in their life or blame the church or blame the pastor. I can tell you, if you are not growing, it is nobody's fault but yours. It's just, it, it, and you have to take that ownership. If you don't feel like God's not, if you feel like, like God's not near to you, it, it, guess who moved? It wasn't God. And so as we move with him and towards him, we move and move towards him by gazing, by having a focus upon him in our lives, this maturing of the faith, this choice to say, hey, God, I know now that you've changed my life, there's things going on, but I also want to know where do I go from here? In John 8, 14, Jesus said, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. It's a portrait of on a journey. I know what I know where I need to be. I know the path that I need to be on. And yet, we can we can lose opportunities to mature and grow, not just through Christmas, but throughout the year, because we've taken our attention off of off of God. I can expend a lot of energy and sometimes wonder what what I've actually gotten done. Have you ever had a day where you did a uh, things you're pretty sure of it, but you get to the end of the day and you're like, I don't know really what I accomplished. I'm tired, but what did I really actually get done? I think it's really easy for us to get tired in this world that we're living in. Can, let's be honest. Can you sit on your front porch in a rocking chair and rock all day long and spend energy and not get anything done? Absolutely. And there's a lot of humanity today. This is kind of what we're doing. We, we're expending energy in all kinds of things, but nothing really in our maturation growth process. Jesus was strategic, and he was smart, and he understood. And at age 12, he said, I must be about my father's business. A desire to grow on this journey that God had him on. I work with men, uh, at, uh, I do different things with men, Wild at Heart, I, I, a trip I take with men, I, we, I do a Thursday night men's group, all kinds of different things here that I've had an opportunity to do with men. And one of the great challenges I face is that I meet a lot of men, not every man, but I meet a lot of men who are in their 20s, 30s, and 40s, and they are not maturing. And I'm not even talking about spiritually, yes, that, that's an issue too, but just emotionally. You know, they're just still stuck in like their teen years. Ladies, don't elbow. Please don't. Please don't right now. <laughs> but you, you're like, bro, hey, man, it's time to grow up. You know, like you, it's time to, to, to do the things that men do. And, and, and then even there's a struggle. What do men do? And, and so I work with them and, and try to help them along the way. But let's be honest, when it comes to spiritual maturity... It's not just men. It, it can be, you could be a believer and expend a lot of energy for 50 years going to church, but not grow. You could expend a lot. You could go to a lot of different groups and serve and a lot of different serve teams, but not really mature and grow to the level that God is calling you from glory to glory. And I think one of the biggest reasons why this happens, and you look in the scriptures of what Jesus says, he gives this scattered seed parable. And so maybe, maybe you've heard of this, uh, but in that he gives some examples of some of the problems we have in our maturation and our growth. It says this in Mark 4 and verse 18, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, 
right? Like today. But all too quickly, this is 2023 right here. The message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, and so therefore no fruit is produced. Here, here we are, right? We, we hear something from the stage at church, or maybe we went to a Bible study or something, we heard something, and we really wanted to do something with that, but we took our eyes off of Jesus, we weren't beholding him, and we got focused on the lure of wealth and chaos and our schedules, and all of a sudden that want, that desire to grow with God, it just fades really quick. We overbook our lives, we overspend our budgets, we overestimate our strength, our hearts are over. Booked, this is the overcrowded life. And the reason you can have so many times where you think you're involved in a religious activity and not actually grow is because these things are crowding out your life. And so let me ask you, are you are you in position to grow? Are you willing to Take the steps in your own personal disciplines, reading God's word, making sure you're a part of accountability like small groups. Are you set up? I mean, we can talk about New Year's resolutions in 2024, but, but this Christmas season's a reminder for right now. Jesus grew up, and I want to grow up and mature as well. Deuteronomy 8, 19, make sure you don't become so full of, of who? yourself and your things that you forget God. One of the things we do here every year is we have Christmas at Newwalk, and some of you know already about it. We do a winter wonderland experience out in the field. We're gonna have sledding and all that again this year, and, and next week we'll maybe talk more about what's going on out in the, in the field, but you know, this is an opportunity for those who are wanting to grow into maturity. Serving is one way. It's not the only way. Serving is one way to make sure you're getting outside of the focus of yourself and focusing on the things of God. And what we do with that winter wonderland experience is before they go out there, they come in here and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's a big part of what we do at an event like that. It's very much an opportunity to let Jesus permeate through our community. And if you are one of these folks that say, hey, I've started coming to this church and, and I've definitely, you know, had this thing going on with some introspection and some focus on what God's doing in my own life. That's great. But there's also a journey where we get outside of ourselves. And I want to submit to you, Winter Wonderland is a great opportunity to start entering into serving. I'm not, I don't want, I'm not even speaking to the people that are already serving right now. We got amazing servants and Christmas at Newwalk comes. We got nine different service times here, nine. And we got people that'll serve all nine here. It's wild. We got some that'll do through two, three, four, whatever, one. Uh, those people, they're amazing. And I know you'll be kind of doing your thing to get plugged in, but I won't speak to those who aren't plugged in, who aren't a part of a serve team. Maybe you were, but you're not now. If you can help us with what goes on outside the Winter Wonderland experience, it takes dozens of people for each service to make that happen. If you can help us with that and take kind of that step and tell us, oh, hey, here's the time or the times I can help, please let us know. Here's the best way to let us know. When you came in, there was a card, and it's, it's in, the, in the little bit of papers that you got there, the message notes. If on the back of that card, you write WW and circle it. So circle it, not WWW, but WW. Just two W's. Circle that really big. Drop it in the bucket. At the end of our time together, we'll, we'll gather those 
uh, from the buckets and we'll take them and we'll reach you uh, this week about trying to find out when you can be a part of that. Again, we need really uh, a large quantity of people to take that step and say, hey, I wanna be involved in that kind of entry level journey to growing in my spiritual life through one area, which is serving. Here's the next thing that I put in your notes. Behold his power. And I put this in here because, gosh, man, it can get tiring in Christmas time. Because it feels like we're, we're doing a lot of double duty of things, not just our jobs, but you know, there's, there's parties and gatherings and shoppings and Christmases and things that we need to do into the year, work things that kind of take a little extra. And it's pretty easy to find yourself whipped during the Christmas season. Like we, we get to Christmas day and it's just like, we just want to sleep. And, and I get that it's, it is a tough and exhausting season. And that's why I have learned to embrace and engage this very powerful thing that God's put inside of me, the Holy Spirit of God, and his power and strength that he gives me to rise above my physical strength and my physical kind of abilities mentally, emotionally. That spirit power is a big deal, and I'm reminded that when Jesus grew up and left this planet, he said, hey, I'm leaving, but there's something greater I'm leaving for you, and and it's the spirit. Now, when you're disconnected from this, you don't even know, like, you don't even understand it. Like, there's some of you right now, I start talking about the Spirit of God, you're like, I don't even know what he's talking about. I have no idea. And I get that. You know, 1 Corinthians 2.14, it says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive the truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it. For those who are spiritual, only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. And so what it's saying is, is like, hey, if you got that veil over your face, if you don't have that uh, relationship with God, you, you don't, you think what I'm talking about, the spirit of God, you just, it's crazy. What is that? But for those of you who have encountered the power of the spirit of God, you know how real it is. And, and I think that if you have never discovered it, you're missing out on something so amazing. Let me just share with you kind of the formula for the way life happens for most people today. I put this in your notes. We start to get exhausted and tired. All right, our overloaded, overcrowded hearts start moving to emptiness. We start wondering, questioning, why don't I feel fulfilled? Why don't I feel satisfied? Why do I feel so empty? And then that leads to being enslaved. I'm trapped. The situation, my life, my job, my habits, my schedule, I'm trapped. And I'm enslaved by all of these things going on around me. And that's a very sinking feeling. And yet, for those of us who are believers, like that trend, we can get caught up in it. But we don't have to. Like we, we can, of course, let God's spirit and power guide us on how to make better decisions for our heart better scheduling, better choices, what our focus should be on and what our focus shouldn't be on. Like God wants to do that for all of us. And here's, here's what it says in John 14, verse 16. This is what Jesus says. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. So he, he's the one that guides me in discernment, decision-making as well. He, he lives within you and will later be in you. But I love what Jesus says there, and I circled it in my notes, another. 
He said, I'm going to leave like another deal going on here. Like I can't be in all places at all times. All right, I'm going to go be at the right hand of the Father, but I'm going to leave with you something that transcends all places and times. And the power of this is that that spirit is going to be inside of each of you. And that was a big deal because during that time, the first century Jewish people, like they, they knew about God the Father, they knew about God the Son, they knew about God the Spirit, but they really would have believed that the Spirit would be external of the body. And now Jesus is coming along and he's saying, there's a spirit I'm leaving with you. And oh, by the way, that spirit's going to be within you. That's next level. That's not just depending on Jesus to kind of show up over here. That's allowing the things of God to be directly inside of you. And we remember that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead with that kind of power. And that same power lives within us. That power is what elevates us in times of chaos and exhaustion. This is a radical, revolutionary thing that we're getting in the text. And for those of you who've experienced it, you know it's real. Romans 8, 9 says this, you are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them are not Christians. You say, well, Pastor Gary, like, what does this mean? For, like, how does... How does one encounter the Spirit? Can you just clear that up for me? Now, the Bible says that once you decide to come to know Jesus Christ and your sin has been forgiven and that sort of veil has been lifted in your life, and the Bible says that the next thing that's a part of that transformation of your life is the empowerment and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in you. It's right there. It's the next thing. Do you know what the sad thing is? Uh, I was reading a study by George Barna that said, 53% of people who call themselves Christians, it was an evangelical Christian study, 53% of those people don't believe that the Holy Spirit exists. What? What that tells me is, and I'm not here to question, you know, their spiritual, spirituality, that's not my, I'm just saying, holy smokes, that a lot of Christians are running around and they're not encountering the power of the Holy Spirit, and that's why we look like the rest of the world. And maybe it's because our gaze is, is not where it should be. Maybe we're not just beholding him the way we, we need to. Maybe we need to go back and understand more clearly this power of the spirit that God wants us to encounter. Hear me, you can't encounter the fulfillness of your life, the significance of your life, the full purpose of your life without encountering how the Holy Spirit is guiding you towards that in your life. Not by my power, but by the spirit power filling me that God has given me in my life. Here's the last thing I'm reminded of, and that's just to behold his peace. And you know, this is a centerpiece. Peace is, P-E-A-C-E, is a centerpiece to Jesus. It's, it's so much of who he is and what he brings. And you know, there's the famous, the songs that we sing that talk about peace, right? Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And, and of that, yes, that is what Jesus came for, and yet when you look around in our world today, there's chaos everywhere. And I don't know about you, but it seems to me hate is rising. Hate in our schools, our campuses, our online. Well, of course hate is rising because people are shoving faith in the corner. And what fills the vacuum of a faithless heart, a godless heart, 
the things of the world, and this world is messy. And people get caught up in an unsettling way of living. They get ang- they're more angered and hateful and frustrated than ever before. And I'm reminded that yet for me, you know, Jesus came and brought this very powerful peace. And it's not even just hate, folks. I, I, I was talking to a business executive uh, not long ago, and he was telling me how he feels like he has attained so much in his life. He's got, you know, position. He's got power. He's got possessions. You know, he's got all the things that every one of us would think by the world standards is really amazing. He said, I'm just unsettled all my life. And I thought, man, I I can relate to that, not because I've got any of those things at the level he, not at all. But there was a time before I met Jesus Christ that I I would have said, I'm unsettled. I might have some income. I, I might have a wife, might have uh, you know, this, this journey of life that on the surface might look good to people, but I was unsettled. And then the peace of God came in my heart, radically transformed my life. I, I came to a place where I realized that life wasn't about possessions and positions and money. I wasn't defined by my salary or by my significance or, you know, looking like I had worldly treasures, that there was something greater to discover. Jesus said in the scriptures, I'm leaving you with a gift. And that gift is peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you isn't fragile like the world gives. You know, the world wants us to have peace. So you know, oh, I got a peace. We need a peace treaty. We need a peace deal. The world is always talking about we want peace, but the world's peace never lasts. Like in the Middle East right now, chaos is happening, right? Do you know there have been, over the last few hundred years, almost 300 Middle East peace, degree, peace agreements? And they've all been broken. All they're broken all the time. And why? Because that's the world's fragility nature of peace. But God's peace, you want to know what would bring all those folks together? The indwelling of the Spirit of God through the gift of Jesus Christ would change everything in humanity. But they don't want that. They, they want to do worldly peace which never lasts. We're talking about a peace that says, oh my goodness, when things are crumbling around me, when there's chaos, when it looks like things are getting flushed down the toilet of life, I'm still moving forward with peace in my heart. It's unexplainable. The scriptures say that this is a gift, a type of peace that's unexplainable, unimaginable to humanity, but yet for those of us who've experienced it through the gift of that little baby to behold in the manger, we know that it's been real to settle our hearts and to change the way we think and operate in life. Behold his peace. Behold the love of God, the gift of, of Jesus Christ, and it casts out all the worries, all the anxieties, all the unsettling. First John 4, 18 says this, there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. When we behold the things of the world, when we behold ourselves and the things, the mistakes that we've made, when we behold uh, this desire to look inside always at us and our wants and our desires, it's very easy to enter chaos and fear and worry. But God's love, through the gift of Jesus Christ, behold that it is transformational to peace in our heart. I don't know. Maybe it's one thing I shared today. Maybe it's a few things. But 
you'll take these with you this week and throughout the season to change how you're operating this Christmas season. I want to pray for you. God, maybe just a little helper being passed on today. Maybe there's, there's somebody here that they're, they're unsettled in their heart. Just, and they're a believer in Christ, but there's something unsettling going on. Maybe they're just going to behold you right now. And we can do that. You can have an unsettled heart just and, and, and turn back towards him and just where you're seated for just a moment. You'll, you'll feel more calm. And I'm talking about doing that throughout our lives. There's, there's somebody here today, like you're, you're exhausted. You're a believer, but you're exhausted. And, and God, I just got to get focused on you. Give me a strength and a power that you have there for me to elevate me. Father, I, I'm in a place right now where I know I need to mature and grow. I need to take a step and commit to that and my spiritual growth and my identity and reminding who you see me as, God, how you love me, how valuable I am. Uh, maybe you're an unbeliever here in this room and uh, some things are resonating with you about life. And I can assure you the answer to some of the greatest struggles and chaos of life, the answer to all of that is found in the gift of Jesus Christ. And maybe you would take time today, like so many people do at our church, to just let all of time and space just kind of stop for a moment in your life and bend a knee to the creator of you, the creator of the universe that wants a relationship with you, gave his son Jesus Christ for you and you've been ignoring, and that veil is there. You say, but I want to take that veil off, God. I want to, I want to see you in my life. And the Bible says that veil can come off when you bend a knee in your heart to God and accept the gift of his son, Jesus Christ, why is that important? Because Jesus came to forgive you of your sin and forgiven people have that veil lifted. Would you receive that forgiveness right now? God, I ask you, God, to forgive me of my sin. I believe in the gift of your son, Jesus Christ. I am ready, Lord, to have a journey with you. I want to learn. I just want to discover this new life that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen.